Hi, this is Doug Jones. I play Cochise on Falling Skies, but right now you are listening to Berserker Cast. Golden Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to Falling Skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Greetings, people of Earth. And other planetary regions, welcome to Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to falling skies on TNT. I'm Daryl. And I'm Emily. How are you this evening, Emily? I'm fantastic. I thought I'm you I'm a might. little sunburnt. Well, but- I, I didn't expect that response. I did expect like a really <laughs> energetic response, the, the type of response that you generally only get when someone is on vacation. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's the kind of fantastic that only comes from lying on a dock reading a book for eight hours a day for the last five days. Yeah. So, have you, have, that's yeah. not one book for you. That's got to be at least three. Oh, I'm I'm aiming for a book a day, uh-huh. and I have I have a couple chapters left to go on my current book. So uh-huh. I'm I'm getting there. I see. Do you care to share any of the titles that you're reading while you're on vacation? Uh, let's see. I reread Genesis and the Big Bang by Gerald Schroeder mm-hmm. and uh, Creation and Time by Hugh Ross. And now I am currently on uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, quite, a, quite the spectrum of titles you're reading there. Yes. It was whatever was in my backpack when I left. I see. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're enjoying vacation, and I'm glad you have taken some time out of your vacation to chat with me and record this podcast, because it's not the same without you. So, thank you for that. Oh, thanks. It's, I, yeah, this is totally part of vacation. I mean, during the week, it's like taking a vacation from life to come talk about an alien invasion. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. And for those but, of you listening to the podcast, thank you for your time to tune in and listen yes. to us talk about one of our favorite shows. In fact, one of my friends on Facebook this uh, this week said, uh, "Hey, what's your what's your favorite show right now?" And I said, "This time of year." It was just a general question; it wasn't just to me. And I said, "This time of year, Falling Skies." And he said, "Yes, I'm recording those." So oh, good. Yeah. Good. I actually I just found out that my coworker is like an avid continuum and falling skies fan. Mm. Like, cause I, I just got a new job a couple months ago. And so this guy found me on Twitter now <laughs> and, and, I've, and I've been like posting things on, you know, t- my Twitter, whatever about both shows. And so he'll come in the next morning and be like, so <laughs> what do you think about this? And I'm like, yes, finally someone to nerd out with at work. Yeah. But, well, that's good. I can certainly appreciate uh, nerd nerd fans at work. I, I had a great group of that at my former job, and uh, now I work for myself, so all of us are nerds here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all different. of your personalities yes. <laughs> are indeed nerds. Shh, don't talk about that on the podcast, Emily. Sorry, forgot. Let's move in to the details of this week's episode. As I said in the intro, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 2, which was called Hunger Pains. 
And who's the director this week, Emily? The director is the same as the one from the pilot. And actually, I think he's been doing a couple Under the Dome uh, episodes as well. Ola Tunde Asunsanmi. You said the pilot, but I think you meant the premiere last week's episode. Sorry. Yes, the premiere. Yeah. Yes, I did mean the premiere. And I see that you, you did what you said you were going to do last week, and that is look it up phonetically and figure out how to pronounce it the right way. That's why I call on you again, because I, I did want you to give you give me the chance <laughs> to, to do what you said you were going to do. I didn't want to take credit for that. For you did the work. Uh, yes. I'll take the writer, though. Uh, that was Mark Dube. Or is it Doobie? I... I'm gonna go Dube. It's a four letter four letter last it's, name and it's just as difficult as the previous yeah, one. It's Dube, it's French. <laughs> Dube. <laughs> Actually I did have a friend in high school named Dube, so or I mean her last name, mm-hmm. but maybe yeah. it is. So, Mark Dube. Yeah. And we had a guest star this week who I think will also be appearing at least in next week's episode, Julia Sarah Stone, who portrayed Caitlin. And I think one of the things she's best known for is uh, a stint on the killing. Otherwise, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Yeah, I didn't re- recognize her. At first, I thought she, and I can't think of the character's name because I didn't watch it last season, but the, the main girl and the following, uh, the show The Following, well, I think oh. she got killed along the way, so I don't want, I won't say when. Oh. But she reminded me of her, except younger. I'm like, she would be older than that. Sure enough, I looked it up and it was a completely different actress. But oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't recognize her from anything then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would certainly seem like we're going to see more of her with her brother, her skitterized brother uh, being yes. uh, left out there hanging at the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the episode. Uh, we, we did our episode ratings at the end last week. I thought I'd move them up to where we normally would do them, and that's at the beginning of the episode. Uh, so f- this week and moving forward, we'll try to do this at the beginning of the episode. Uh, I will give you the honors, Emily. What was your rating this week? Well, I am terrible at rating episodes because I don't know. I I always rate them higher than I feel like I should. But when it comes down to it, this is an episode of Falling Skies, and I'd rather have an episode of Falling Skies than not have an episode of Falling Skies. So I gave it seven. Should have thrown that lock as far away as possible before going into the trap. The cage. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um. <laughs> so I completely agree with your statement that you would love to have any episode of Falling Skies rather than no episode of Falling Skies. I'm totally with you there. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we have only nine episodes of Falling Skies left at the point where this one started. Now we have eight, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I look at it and go, we started out with them being attacked by skitters. They were the, they lost their food. They were hungry. They were stuck there in their little compound. We ended the show in pretty much the same spot. Uh, the, 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 they discovered the hive, if you will. Uh, they got their food back. So it was, it was very little progress. Yes, we got some character development. We got some nice uh, conversations, and we'll certainly talk about those along the way. Mm-hmm. But I felt like there was an awful lot of tire spinning uh, for not having this much left in this series. So I mm-hmm. gave it six barbecued skitters. Yummy. Yeah, yeah. Except not yummy. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> yeah. The guy, yeah. Well, I, 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 we'll talk about it when we get there. I, I'll yeah. save my comment for then. All right. So where do you want to start no, I, with the episode? Well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to comment on your rating because I think that is one thing I often forget about as I'm rating it, you know, going, all right, we only have 10 episodes of this show left and you wasted it on this episode because there there were a lot of points and i know i've i briefly looked through your notes and i think you agree with me on several of these points which is like going 
why in the world would you add something like that in when we need all of these other elements to come together? Yeah. Well, and I think that they're probably setting some things up for how they want to end the show. They need to develop some things along the way so that they'll fit into the ending. Yeah. That doesn't mean I have to like it. So, uh, you know, <laughs> very we'll, good we'll point. T- we'll talk about those. I think you and I are going to be on the same page on some of this stuff for sure. I think so. Yeah. So, where do you want to start? Well, as I was taking my own notes, I kind of chunked this episode into a couple big categories, and I thought maybe it would be easier to talk about it this way than chronologically, because okay. I, I didn't have a chance to uh, get back and, and watch the episode more than once. Um, with my vacation and all. So, uh, let's start with a bug because we ended the last episode with Tom getting bitten by this bug Mm -hmm. or whatever it was, taking it off his neck and seeing this big red blotch of blood. And we open, correct me if I'm wrong, we open the next episode with them looking at the thing in a jar. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Did something else happen before that? Okay. And, it's it's an interesting device that they use throughout the episode, you know, like saying uh, first Anne tells Matt to put it down. That's not a toy. We need to examine it. Uh, and then Matt uses that same verbiage on the girl mm-hmm. whose name I'm not going to come up with. <laughs> the the replacement for Mira is pretty much what I'm calling <laughs> yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. And then until finally Matt resolves the problem both with the girl and with the bug by coming up with this microscope and giving in to just letting himself be happy. But um, I don't know, when when they finally revealed what the bug was, were you satisfied with that explanation? And At the very what end of the season, uh, episode, you mean? Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, you know, last week when you read the the synopsis for this week's episode, you talked about there being something that was part skitter, part Ishvini, part human. And I described what I thought that looked like in my mind. And as it turned out, we had already seen it on screen in the, in this bug. And so yeah. when they revealed that at the end, cause the whole time, even through the episode, I'm thinking that's what we have inside the crate. That's the new, the, the, the girl's oh, the brother. Skitterized. The skitterized guy. Yeah. Okay. So when it was oh, revealed yeah. that the bug was the combination of those things, I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, that was, so it was kind of a neat twist for me. Was I surprised that it was alive? No. I mean, we had kind of been given the little preview at the at, at one point where we got the inside the jar look, which told me that it was alive. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, that wasn't a twist. I don't know if they intended it to be or not, but I, I liked what it turned out to be, and it was an, it was a nice twist because it's like, holy crap, this is really, you know, they talked about it being intelligent. They they said it's been basically it's been playing dead, very cunning or yeah. something, whatever word they used to describe it. So it's got some some nice intelligence, uh, human eyes. That's going to creep people out. So, yeah, I, I was pretty happy with it. What about, what about you? Yeah, no, I think that was my reaction exactly. I'm like, there there are only so many ways you can torture humans, but you can torture them in the same way with different modifications of the same thing endlessly. And we needed we needed the aliens to come back with something stronger this year but in a different way because we we've sufficiently suppressed the overlords 
and we've sufficiently suppressed the skitters, at least in a way like when they're not under Eshveni control, they're easier to pick off, you know, that that kind of thing where when they're organized, they're very difficult to kill. So we needed them to come back with something else that wouldn't make this a cakewalk and would make, you know, going into the finale something that they have definitely earned and definitely like what you were saying about the intelligence factor and uh, the fact that it uh, possesses um, modifications from all of these different species. Not only does it make it a little bit formidable, but incredibly disgusting. I mean, when you saw the eyeballs, (laughs) I just went, that is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, At first I was like, how did they shrink human eyes enough to fit on that bug? But then I figured that they probably just genetically modified a lot of things and grew this bug instead of, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's pr- actually, I, 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 I hadn't put that much thought to it. I, although I did have the same thought of how they get the human eyes to fit in the bug. But yeah, you're, you're probably right. They probably did grow yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so th- the only other thing about the bug then is when, when Anne and Tom leave to follow the thing as it flies away uh-huh. at the end there does it join with a swarm of other like bugs yeah so i have to think so i don't know why else they would have shown a swarm of bugs uh, otherwise it, it was it would just confuse us so i have to think that yeah that's what right. that swarm was and that's that's pretty terrifying isn't it it is because like for one I mean, every, uh, except for horseflies, I've been bitten by so many things this week that I'm not really even sure what kind of venom is in me anymore. But I mean, as far as like horseflies and mosquitoes are concerned, they don't really travel in swarms like that. You know, sometimes they do, but not often. It's usually just one lands on you, takes a bite out of your leg and you slap it and it goes away. Mm-hmm. Whereas like gnats and, and fruit flies often travel in those kinds of swarms. So it's intelligent enough that it can go off on its own and accomplish a mission, but then it also joins a swarm when it comes back. And that was like, you know, being in Minnesota and having plenty of bugs to choose from, that was the one thing that creeped me out the most because I'm like, oh, that that doesn't seem cool. Yeah. Not at all. And, you know, we've talked about we talked about the bugs last week, how they've always been a nice nice from the uh Ashveni perspective, a nice weapon. Uh, they're because they're so small, they're great recon tools, right? That that bug can land on a on a mm. wall or a tree or uh, something and completely blend in, take in all kinds of information, literally be a fly on a wall and fly yeah. back with all this information. And I think that that's partially what it did. Um, to what end or to, to whom it's giving the information, I don't know, because it looked like a hive of these black hornets to me. Uh, mm-hmm. But again, all those are sort of Ishveni entities. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's interesting, very interesting. Especially like if they're going to be using them for anything other than surveillance. I mean, did did that did that bug just inject Tom with something that they haven't gone back to check for? Mm-hmm. Or didn't somebody mention eye worms in the chat room last yeah. week? Uh, injecting with a worm or something yeah and i wonder if maybe it was it was just supposed to be kind of out of sight getting information or something and it hit tom by mistake i wonder if or did it purposely land on Mm. him i i don't know i think it i think it landed on him on purpose but i think so too nothing lands on tom mason by mistake that's right if you know what i mean (laughs) 
I'm not sure what you okay. mean. <laughs> I don't want to take that the wrong say. way. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. skitters, you mentioned them. Holy cow, did we get a bunch of skitters this week. I mean, they Holy were... Holy cow. I don't think we've ever seen this many skitters. I don't. My first thought is, wow, they must have a huge CGI budget to burn through this season because, <laughs> I mean, because yeah. the only times we would ever really get skitters are in packs of two or three and late at night, so you can't really see them. Because I believe uh, one of the things that we talked with um, Doug Jones about last year is that they actually make these skitter costumes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that right? And so we, th- this, this is undoubtedly CGI that we're witnessing here, but yeah, but at the same time, we are definitely seeing some practical effects here when they're, t- when they're picking them up and putting them into the fence and some of them are burning oh, and, and are look like they're charred from a, from a blast. And then of course the one that they rotisseried. So the, Practical effects department has really uh, gotten their hands dirty this this season so far too. They've got to be loving what they're getting to do. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, it kind of and I'm I'm I might actually not get this historical reference quite correct. I think it was World War One when Russia pretty much just sent all of its young men into battle, mm-hmm. and it just like line after line of young men just get killed Mm -hmm. and to absolutely no avail and they just had so many people sending them all into battle and just getting killed off because they didn't know how to fight or there was no really organization they just were using bodies and i mean that's that's like almost what we're witnessing here is just the last i i okay so like i was saying before it doesn't seem when skitters are being controlled by a shveni that they are as erratic or as unorganized. And and this attack, if it, if it was an attack, <laughs> just seemed completely chaos. Yeah. There was there was no organization, there was no real purpose other than just I don't know, maybe they were hungry even and there was no overlord around. Well, but, and they look they they seem to be going straight for the food. Like they knew where the food was, they went straight for it for it. Who the idiot is who decided to it would be a good idea to to shoot a missile into that place where the food is is I don't know who that was. But the skitters seem to be going directly to the food. So, I think that's it. They're they're oh, purely yep. animalistic and and you know, uh, scavengeristic if that's a word, uh, in their nature. So I think that's that's what we see. They're not really under any control. Now, whether or not this was by design by the Ishvini mm-hmm. to say, hey, we know what will happen if we unharness, if you will, these skitters. So we're just going to unleash the skitters because that is our best defense or, or, or offense uh, at this point. Or at least it'll distract you long enough while we regroup and try to... Right. And X-Force 11, who's in our chat room during our live show here, uh, just put a great idea here on the bug, you know, biting Tom. What if that was to steal some of Tom's DNA for whatever purpose? Hmm. Interesting. I think that's a great idea because it would only take a you know a drop of blood to get what they would need mm-hmm. if that's what they want. And then he just had to play dead long enough so that he could get back to his hive. Right, right. Interesting. I like that idea. Good, uh, yeah. good idea there, Jeff. Okay, so <clears throat> what else do you do? We want to go ahead and talk about the the end of the skitters that we saw in the episode because I think that's pretty significant too. 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing about the skitters in this episode was that it was just one big, I don't know, plot device to occupy the second mass mm-hmm. while they tried to solve their hunger pains. You know, they blew up their food supply by an extra, probably. Probably. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so they spend this entire episode just holding their barricades and building up their barricades with all of these dead skitters, which was disgusting by the way. Mm -hmm. I think it also should be mentioned. Well, no, we'll get into that later, (laughs) but okay. So the, the truck is coming back with the food and Dingan finally gets his flying EMP ready. It was made out of those spare parts that they pulled off the mechs. Is that right? Is that where those parts came from? I don't know exactly where they came from. The mechs, I think, is as good a guess as any. I, I'm not exactly clear where those parts came from. But yeah, I mean, we know they were they were doing some of that last week, so that that's probably it. Yeah, probably salvaged from something. Yeah, that the Ashveni left behind. But finally, gets that working and. It sends out an EMP like pulse and just wipes all of the skitters out. And, and I can't tell if they're unconscious or they're actually dead. But either way, it subdues them long enough for them to get the food truck back behind the gate. Right. But then they also notice that whatever happened in that moment prevented any more skitters from coming because it just felt like they were coming. Mm-hmm. No matter how many that they killed, there were just more coming. And this pretty much uh, caused them to cease in their advances, which is very interesting. Well, it is interesting because we don't know if it stopped, if if the influx of them stopped because of the EMP or if Mm -hmm. because they had, they had, look, I mean, the skitters, it's so weird that the skitters would just keep coming, you know, in wave after wave. It's like they were being released in wave after wave. And so, it would seem that perhaps if that's the case, that mm. the Ashvini or whomever were were releasing them in those waves said, okay, we've distracted them long enough, or we got what we need, or I don't know, right? Because we don't know what the purpose yeah. was. Right. It, yeah, but we didn't get any explanation at the beginning. It really seemed like, you know, the uh, Tom had killed the Overlord in the previous episode, and maybe all of these... Skitters are just going haywire, just like the feral ones that uh, Hal and Maggie's team found in the previous episode. You know, they're just kind of tearing at each other. But but they are organized enough to attack the humans versus attacking themselves, because it seemed like they were ready to just eat anything <laughs> and all, even, even each other in that previous episode. But maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway whether it was the EMP that stopped them or the overlords had what they needed. I don't know. I think that's, that's only something that the next episode will be able to tell us. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and maybe not even then, maybe it's like you, you call it a plot device and it was clearly yeah. that, but yeah. will it have a, a, a type of resolution to it? I don't know, but it, it was frustrating that last episode we get Tom back Tom is fa- has found his warrior, and he has talked all these other guys into finding their warrior. They are on the offense. They're going out there. They're hunting down skitters. They're hunting down mechs. They're hunting down the overlord. They are on offense, 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 and then boom. This episode, 
they're stuck. I mean, yes, we have a scout party to go out and find some food. But other than that, this episode was self-contained within their camp. And mm-hmm. so I found that frustrating. That's one of the things I didn't like about it. I loved that last week was go, go, go. Let's, let's mm-hmm. make progress. But again, it did seem like the skitters were being released in waves by something. So that would be a very good way to contain your enemy. And so yep. from a tactical standpoint of, let's say, the issue, and assuming it, they're the ones that are doing this, I can understand that. But from a viewer's point of view, I found it frustrating. And that might be exactly what they wanted. They wanted us to feel the frustration that the second mass would have in that situation of wanting to go out there and you know kick some butt and not being able to. And if that's the case, it worked. Good job. That's interesting because like, I was thinking of it in a way where they're finally at least able to unleash some of their rage on these skitters. But I hadn't really thought about it being frustrating that they're stuck here. But that is a really good point because it has to be so frustrating even for them to see all the progress that they made in the previous episode. And now they're just getting attacked by droves of skitters that they can't make any advance at all. And even when, even when, um, Weaver suggests that they go to this food shelter and find food. They're like, we can't even, we can't even leave the, uh, the gates of this little enclosure. We're, we're stuck. Yeah. So I think, you know, it'll probably change in the next episode, but it'll, I, I think it, it caged. How, how do you say it? You, it caged the lion more than it, <laughs> than it did anything to f- make them feel like they have free reign. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're they're chomping at the bit for sure. Well, speaking of plot devices, I felt like the whole hunger pain situation was nothing more than a plot device, because as I said during my rating, we started out the episode with plenty of food or at least no no worries about food. We end up the episode with plenty of more than enough food. My goodness, they've got a lot of food. So while it did serve a few things, like getting the the two new characters that we got at the warehouse, um, it wasn't a big win for me. And I also I think the 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 thing that made it feel contrived and forced to me was that it seemed to me that the st- the store of supplies got blew, blown up. Then within a few hours, maybe the next day. People are passing out and dropping like flies when that would not be the case. You know, for, for one, they're used to not having a lot of food. Number two, it didn't seem like water was an issue and they would be passing out and stuff more to dehydration than they would lack of food. You can, you can go mm-hmm. for a lack of food. You might be hungry, but I don't know. I felt like it went from zero to, to, to a hundred in no time flat. It didn't seem believable to me. And therefore it seemed, like I said, contrived. And mm-hmm. more of just a plot device. Um, mm-hmm. did, how did you feel about that? No, I, I would totally agree. I think, I guess the only argument that can be made in opposition to that is that they're perpetually hungry. And at least the prospect of having food was enough to satiate some of that, the the worst of it. But my my biggest question here is, did I miss the part when all of the children came back? Well, I think that they satisfied that with that one line when they brought in the new girl and they said, we found her alongside the road. So I think, you know, mm. and I've, I've been 
probably annoyingly talking about, well, I counted 30 this week and he said there were 20 left and then five died. So they're, you know, I've been that guy. Um, so, so they probably did that to shut people like me up who are, you know, at least we now oh. know there are people who are coming into the camp, but you know, they're picking, they're still picking up people. So that's, yeah. I just took that line to mean, Hey, anybody new you see, that's what happened. There's a, there's a reasonable reason why they're here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that big of a deal, but I mean, they made special pains in the previous season to constantly take note that there are no children. Well, that's because all of the children are in these concentration camps mm-hmm. and, or what what were they calling them? Conscription um, camps. Yeah. Conscription. And, and so I just was like, okay, so they recovered all the children and apparently they're not, none of them have been brainwashed, but I'm, I mean, I'm glad because it, it gives diversity back to the second mass again and it, it forces them to think about their next tactical move because not everybody is a fighter now. Mm-hmm. You have, you have children and you have people that need to take care of those children. It just was, I was just like going, okay, when did all these children come back? But yeah. We can make an exception. Yeah. Well, I I felt like it was a little unbelievable too that they would get they would be so desperate that now just now they're starting to eat skitters. You, you would think that by now they would have thought about this prospect a long time ago. Seriously. And <laughs> uh, and tried it, but it did make for an interesting scene. Uh, interesting is one word for yeah. it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I thought oh I, I thought the guy gosh. was fooling around the first time, and I thought he was really dying the second time, which was fine. Um, I love the effect they gave it when his when his jaw starts rotting. It reminded me of the pilot of Fringe when the pilot's jaw right. rots off. I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. That's that's cool. I liked it when Fringe <laughs> did it too. <laughs> oh, that was so gross. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Oh. But man, I that is that is so bizarre. I mean, I I I don't know if I would have eaten the skitter even if they had proved that it was safe. But man, you have to be you have to be hungry and stupid to do something like that guy did. I know, and that's why I'm saying I don't. I did. They didn't build it up enough for me to believe that. But maybe yeah, the stupid part. Hey, fine. You know you. Although you think people that stupid would have died long ago, but uh, there seems to never be a shortage of stupid people. But to be that hungry to, I'm not yeah. waiting. I'm starving. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, skitters, not safe. Yeah. <laughs> Note to self. Yeah. Do not eat skitters. Yeah. It shouldn't be that hard. But now they know, mm-hmm. and they know that they know. What about skittles? Skittles are okay. Skittles are still okay. There's a one letter difference, but yeah, you can eat Skittles. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I just wanted to be sure that we, you know, yeah, knew where that line was. Uh, there was some other Skitter action with the Fight Club, Skitter Fight Club, uh, well, Anthony versus Skitter Fight Club. Uh, let's talk about it, even though that's not what you're supposed to do with Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't really Fight Club. It was more like a gang up yeah they were being bullies no you know i i still tom is so frustrating to me right now and and i know that we've talked about this endlessly so i'm not gonna harp on it a lot but i just i cannot get behind a leader who 
encourages his men to just let the rage in and then out. And for Tom to stand by and watch them beat the skitter endlessly, it's just like there's no there's no sense of control at all and rage is ultimately letting go of control letting yourself loose and i just really i hate that so much <laughs> but i don't know what i what was your reaction to to the whole beating of the skitter you know what was hardest for me on this was there were a few times where you could what looked to me you could clearly see on the back of the skitter what was once the harness. You know, we've mm. talked about it, I think, every episode, our preview episode included for this season, that the skitters have been transformed by the Ashvini. We don't know what they originally looked like, but these are beings that were probably more than, more than likely, um, more likely than not, uh, peaceful beings. And mm-hmm. they are, have been disfigured and manipulated by the Ashvini. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we should take, you know, uh, any any type of uh, uh, pacifistic role towards the skitters. Just keep, bear in mind that they are not what they are be- because of their own their their own selves. And so, when you see that harness on the back or the shape of what was once a harness on the back of the skitter, it serves as a reminder to that. So to savagely beat one, like. Anthony did this week, or even what Anne did last week, where she was doing the mm-hmm. slow kill on one. I understand why they're taking their aggressions out on these on these beings, you know. But we need to remember that it's not their fault. They are victims right. in this fight too, and not that they, like I said, not that we should take pity on them or or just allow them to to do whatever. Oh, they're victims, whatever. You can't take right. that approach, but that doesn't mean you have to act like savages toward them either. Um, so I I loved when Weaver stepped in and mm-hmm. he he delivered exactly what needed to be said in my opinion. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that was the saving moment of that entire scene because you know it, it's it's Weaver coming back in from this vast military experience and and exerting the kind of authority that these men need. Mm-hmm. They don't need they don't need a leader who is going to just let them give into their rage. They need a leader who will remind them that we're fighting for a bigger purpose here. You know, you're when 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 you let rage in, you're essentially becoming no better than they are. I mean, it's the age-old cliche, but it's still, it still completely holds true in this case because, you know, they're they're the ones that were attacked by a I'm sure Anthony is going after that skitter, you know, mm-hmm. for Denny. Right. And we we totally understand that. That was a brutal way to die. But doing the same thing in return doesn't bring Denny back. It doesn't make the situation any better. You like like you were saying, you don't just roll over and let this happen. You fight back and you do what needs to be done, but you don't lose yourself to that. And and I just feel like the more Tom just like stands idly by, he's not even he's not just losing himself to the rage. He's losing himself to the entire lifestyle of what this is. And, you know, later on when he and Anne are having that conversation and Anne says, like, I wonder if we'll ever try having children again, which just totally reminded me of something my mom would say. <laughs> Ron- yeah, she's not listening. Um, <laughs> uh Totally bad timing, but you know she's she's half joking, half not joking. But 
Tom is like not even there. And for him to not even be able to fathom the end of that question, like what the result of that question could be, is just seems really unlike him because he's the one that has had that hope and has had the ability to project and say, when the war is over, <laughs> we're going to get to this. And he's like, not until the world is a very different place. But that that was almost like a reluctant response. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. I, I mean I know that they're doing a number on him and they're gonna they're gonna bring him through a big arc. And so I I meant, you know, I'm just saying <laughs> I'm hoping that this is all going somewhere good. And which is why, you know, I mean, I say that I'm frustrated and and whatever, but it's it's the frustrated in a way that you're passionate about a character, right? right? right. You, you, okay, that's coming across then. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> okay, yeah, and, and that's so interesting because they're they're clearly doing something with Tom's character arc this season, and it, you know, I made the prediction last week that he's not going to survive the show, and you know, for those of you who who are concerned about my prediction, don't be. I I predicted Jack Shepard was going to die. Uh, during uh, by the end of season four, I think it was on, might have been season three on Lost, um, and I won't tell you anything other than to say he didn't die then, <laughs> or maybe at all. You'll have to watch and find out. <laughs> Depends on your interpretation. <laughs> uh, but he 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 definitely made it a lot longer into the show than 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 what I thought he was going to. But yeah, I still get that vibe that. That Tom is going to a place that he may not be able to return from. And he may not return from physically or mentally. Um, we got some great conversations here. When Weaver confronts Tom about it, Weaver says, it's an all or nothing game you're playing. Remember, mm. you've only got one self. When you get lines like that, it's like, mm. it's this or that. It's, it's it's your sanity or your insanity. You know, you either are able to contain or you lose it. And mm-hmm. he, Weaver doesn't leave any ground there for being able to come back from that dark place, which is which doesn't mean that that's not possible. But and Weaver's just really trying to to warn Tom. Tom's response though was, "It's time to flip the switch because." I'm sure the next generation and the one after that will be grateful we did. And when you hear him say that, he's not caring about himself or where he goes. He's only thinking about his the next generation, uh, which I took to be his sons and his grandchildren. And so, uh, you know, that that generation, not just those specific characters or people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you, I, I hear things like that, and I'm going, well, Tom doesn't care if he lives or dies. Tom is 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 in his mind. Embracing the hero path before him to sacrifice himself for the greater good of all humanity mm-hmm. in this case, the, the next mm-hmm. generation and the generation after that. He'll be remembered as the man, you know, I don't think he's doing it for his own glory. I don't think he's on a, you know, a, that type of hero's journey here. Uh, but I, I do think that he has fully embraced the idea that he may not be able to come back from where he's going and he's completely okay with that. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. He's surrendered himself completely to this, and I don't know. It kind of reminds me of the theme in in the Gospels of the Bible. You know, just like how Jesus tells us, we cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, mm-hmm. or you know, and you cannot serve God and also love money. It's you know the warning of world worldliness and 
the the thing I always take away from that is that it's not that you can't engage in it. It's not like you can't be part of it or live in it. It's the fact that you don't give in to it. You don't become the worldliness you're set apart from it. You do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. And and what I what Tom is just like unhinged about right here is just being consumed by that very thing that he's been warned all along to stay away from. And he's like, well, clearly since I've been, you know, putting it or putting it at arm's length for this long and we're not, we haven't won this war. That must be the thing that we're missing Mm -hmm. to win this war. And so I don't know. I don't know if you can come back from it when it's like that. And, And I know we talk about this a lot, so we don't have to keep going on this, but yeah, it, it's certainly interesting, and I don't know how much more my heart can take, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was offset nicely in this episode with the conversation that Dingon had with Matt, where Matt is really mm. reserving himself and trying to keep himself from getting close to this new girl specifically, Uh probably partially because of what happened with Mira, but I think also because he understands that in this world that they live in, people come and go. People die all the time. And they've certainly seen mm-hmm. a, uh, with Denny being killed last week, it was a really eye-opening, you know, experience. And what he witnessed out there in the woods, you know, he's got a new outlook now. He's seeing things that he didn't think that he was, that were probably even possible, right? Um, mm-hmm. And Dingon is, is helping him remember not to be that cold, not to be that, uh, removed from, from his feelings, not to be that removed from people and to, you know, to keep his humanity, what, what truly makes us human, right? And so I liked this conversation and it, it, mm-hmm. it was a nice counterpunch to what we were getting there with Weaver and Tom, specifically with Tom. Right. And, and the beauty of it is that we can see that when someone approaches uh, a malleable mind like Matt's who has who has had both sides of the experience and nothing well I mean I guess the whole thing is really traumatic but he's been on the side of seeing hope and seeing his father fight for the right thing but then he's also seen the betrayal that comes from someone who cannot stick with the game if you will and that what was so great about that conversation was that Matt was able to see the hope in that in what Dingan said. It was a very simple story, and I loved that. It was like one of those stories where you end and then the other person says, did you find $10? You know, just like you're looking for the punchline and for what makes the story so great. But what's great is that it is a simple story about life where you just wish you had done something differently. And I love that Matt was able to bounce back from that. That was a great, great scene. And then especially later on when he ends up telling the girl, I love your love. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was cute. And it was, it was, it proved that, uh, that the next generation isn't lost, that they, they don't need to give into their rage. They, what Matt really needed more than anything in this episode was just to realize that there was something else to fight for. There's not, there's not a reason to shut everyone out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it should help you remember what you're fighting for, why you're fighting, and what you, you know, well, mm-hmm. why and why and who you're fighting for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that was my that, that was actually my favorite part of the conversation the, the episode with those conversations. Those you know, because I talk about this every week. I really love the the dialogue that comes out of out of. Uh, what does it mean to be human and, and, and mm-hmm. the, the, these types of character arcs? As much as I don't like what Tom is doing and becoming, I do like the, the 
story and the conversation and the character arc that we're getting in re- in return for that. So, yeah. So yeah, I, I actually liked these these parts of the show. Right, and in this episode, it was the best parts because everything else really sucked mm-hmm. <laughs> and not just because people were dying after trying to eat skitters but because we had a really a lot of really awkward conversations that really did not need to happen yeah let's okay. talk about those uh, please yeah. can we let's, yes well i don't know i'm not begging to talk about them but um but we we, we did get a couple of uh, at least one thing here that we were speculating on last week, and that is their location. They were within a stone's throw, apparently, of of mm-hmm. Guyton or Guyton Guyton, whatever it's G Y T O N, uh, Georgia, which is only near the Georgia South Carolina border. Uh, it's about 120 miles from Charleston. If you're driving it, if you go the roads, if you do it on foot and go through whatever you know land might be in the way. You're looking closer to ninety to a hundred miles, so it's it's a pretty walkable uh, distance, and it's also I think I looked up it's like thirty miles from Savannah, thirty miles from Savannah, Georgia. Okay, so that's kind of where we're at, or or our band of heroes is at. We were wondering about that last Savannah. Week. You think Savannah? The near Savannah. Well, this Guyton is thirty miles from Savannah, so I think okay. they're. I don't know if they're in Savannah, but they might be. You know, somewhere near right. there. They said like one county over mm-hmm. or something. That's right. So they did. they're definitely not in Charleston. Right. But it's good to. Yeah, definitely. I loved that because we got kind of a, a whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Are they? Yeah, we have been talking about that. So, yeah. So they they know that they have to go underground in order to get to this food shelter. So that, of course, means they have to recruit uh, the Spike Kids, the two remaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently Sarah. And apparently, Sarah. Okay, when did she start getting involved in these inner circle powwows? I mean, is it because Pope is there and now they're attached at the hip? I think that's exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> wherever she goes, he or wherever he goes, she goes. Um, there could have been so many better people in that meeting, like Anthony, or I don't know, one of the extras. Yeah, the guy who likes to eat skitter. He'd be alive right now. Seriously, if he just volunteered for this mission. Yeah, oh. could have been eating Twinkies. Although, <laughs> the Twinkies, someone mentioned it in the chat room, junk food, when you're not used to it, will tear you up. They're, they would yeah. be reaching for some leaves really fast. <laughs> if you catch my drift. Especially Twinkies. Yeah, this might make you have that effect anyway. Twinkies and ding-dongs. Yeah, but anyway, we digress. We digress. Um, okay, so where do you want to talk about the food reconnaissance mission? Where, where where do you want to go here? Well, first of all, I just wanted to point out that right when they entered that warehouse with all the food, it totally reminded me, and I can't remember if it was season or if it was the second or third episode of season one, but Tom definitely takes a team to go on a food recovery mission, mm-hmm. and they're attacked by skitters and mechs inside of that. And I was like, there's skitters hiding up in the rafters or something. <laughs> I know, you, know, you expect it, right? Right. Because it didn't seem possible that there would be that much of anything left in a Untouched warehouse this food. far after the attack. But right. I guess they found a uh, hidden gem. Right. Okay, so a couple warning signs here, if you will. They walk through these tall scaffoldings of stuff, and they're not finding any food. But where did they find the food? In the cage. In a cage. 
That should be your first warning. <laughs> your second warning should be the lock that's casually placed <laughs> on the chain link fence. Oh my gosh, I'm going, oh no. You know, I mean, you saw the whole thing unraveling at that point, right? Didn't no, know I didn't. what exactly Actually. was going to happen. Oh, you didn't. Oh, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to be. I didn't mean to be condescending. I'm no, just like, no, I didn't take I, it as that. I, I'm, you know, okay. I didn't see it coming. Okay. I should have. Well, I was like, there. All of the food is in this one location. There, that should be your first warning. And then you don't go into something that could potentially lock you inside without making sure there's no way for it to lock you inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, that should be like Falling Skies 101 <laughs> or. <laughs> survival post-apocalyptic world 101 but so i that's why my rating was get that lock and throw it as far away as possible because at least then you know but okay but this is where half of the awkward conversations take place so as they're rejoicing over this food that they found they split up pope and ben start loading it into the truck where and then sarah and maggie are you know loading these pallets why in the world does this conversation need to happen at all between either Pope and Ben or Sarah and Maggie? I mean, Sarah's first, I, Sarah's like, I see that you're, you've kind of got both Ben and Hal on the ropes these days. <laughs> you could always consider a three-way. <laughs> I mean, like, who says those kinds of things? Yeah. Maybe more people than I am privy to, but I mean, he, she should at least know that they're brothers. I know, right? And I think Maggie even said, like, you know they're brothers, right? Because that's all yeah. kinds of awkward. Uh, these these conversations, I, I felt the same way you did. I'm like, really? Why? Why is this, why is this being written on paper and spoken by actors? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I would think I would just like to know the intrinsic value of having Sarah on this mission and having this moment with Maggie because I don't see I mean I I'm just wondering what they're trying to do with this conversation is it to just acknowledge that this love triangle is happening because because Sarah did say love triangle I should know I know a love triangle when I see one Yeah <laughs> Where's a wall that I can bang my head on Yeah <laughs> I have to admit Emily, that that was my least favorite episode, a part of the episode up to that point. There's another scene coming up with just oh Pope and Sarah that I was then going, wait, wait, can we go back to the warehouse and have those awkward conversations again? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would much actually just put them all together and let them talk because, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, we will get there. We Don't will. worry. Yeah, we will. But, okay, so while that conversation is happening between Sarah and Maggie, mm-hmm. Ben and Pope are also having a conversation, and I, like, I almost, I, I pretty much tuned Pope out because I'm like, I can't listen to this, and, and I'm so glad that Ben did not deign him with a response because I'm just like, after all, everything that Pope did to Sarah, he has, or not Sarah, Maggie. Sarah's the actress's Sarah, name. Sarah's the actress's name, yeah. Uh, Maggie, mm-hmm. yes, thank you. He has no right to say anything about anything. (laughs) There are plenty more fish in the sea. But we're connected by our spikes. (laughs) (laughs) We love each other. (laughs) Uh, All right. Let's talk Uh, about something uh, better that happened there. That was the... Really? We have to stop? Yes. I don't want... Look, 
I don't enjoy talking about it any more than I enjoyed watching it, at least, oh, except to the extent that I get I'm to. I'm sorry. To I just had to acknowledge play. how awkward it was and yeah. how completely unnecessary. I mean, I really should have dropped my rating a couple points just yeah. for those scenes. It was because- both of those things. It was awkward and unnecessary. And, and yeah. this is where, I, I, as I said earlier in, in the episode, they're doing some of these things to set up a direction that I believe they're going for the end of the series. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I think that's the purpose for having this scene here and the one that I hated even more. But that doesn't mean I have to like it, even though I think I understand why they're there. Um, so, you know, I said unnecessary, awkward and unnecessary. I mean, I think I understand why the writers put it in there, but I don't think it's necessary because I don't think this storyline is. Would you like to share this reason why? I think that they need to have leave us with hope for the future. And so hope for the future means hope for humanity to, to be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. And that's going to look like it's going to be Pope and Sarah and Maggie and a Mason. <laughs> Pope and Sarah repopulating the world. Yeah. I don't think I can handle They're this. They're going to have two boys. One's going to be named John. The other one's going to be Paul. <laughs> Oh dear. X Force Eleven says Ock necessary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect, man. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're right. I just wish it didn't have to be. I'm sure I'm sure when they brought Sarah in, they thought it was gonna be a good move. And I and I can see, you know, trying to get Pope back onto the straight and narrow so that repopulating the earth can happen. Mm-hmm. Is is not that far of a stretch. It just just so happens that the way everything comes to fruition is just unbearably awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sarah is awkward. She is awkward. Okay. Okay. Anyway. human. We didn't get a Skinner real good human. look at him, but it looked like he had like a predator type of mouth going on, right? Did you see that? Yeah, that's actually what I thought too. It looked like a predator. It well, even even almost the shape of the head did too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I, I liked what you said at the be- at the top of the podcast. Just like it was kind of a we thought maybe at this point that um that this was the hybrid that they had been talking about in the description for last week. It actually hadn't even crossed my mind. I was assuming that it was the bug, but hmm. I like how that this was kind of thrown in there as a possibility. Maybe this is yet even another version of the skitterized human, but because we had already seen what had happened to Genie, that's where I thought they were going with this one. So, And I think that that is going to be the saving grace of of the brother, you know, because he is an Ashvini byproduct and because of the the feelings that the second mass Anthony is the epitome of that has towards all things non-human right now. Um, you know the the brother could be in danger. And look, just the fact that he is he's very volatile means he poses a danger, and that the second mass poses a danger to him. But I think that Weaver is going to come in, stand between the second mass and the brother, and say, look. Just as Maggie pointed out, or was it Ben, you know, he came back to his sister. There's Mm -hmm. some humanity left in there. And just like I didn't give up on my daughter, we're not giving up on him. So I like that 
uh, in that sense. And, and Weaver being the, the more rational of the two leaders that we have in the second mass right now, you know, I, th- I think that this, this has potentially been set up to, to have been really earned by the show in a, in a really great way. If they choose to go that, r- that route with it, um, with, with Weaver kind of being the, the champion of the, the new, Ooh. skitterized human you're right because he's probably the only one with the compassion necessary to save this mm-hmm. skitterized human i really like that i would love that for that to happen not just because i don't want to see them kill a human you know or even one that has been genetically modified but just because it it just reinforces that hope like you're uh, uh you you said it earlier there you can almost see the harness on the skitters that the that anthony was bludgeoning mm-hmm. and you have to consciously acknowledge that these are creatures that have been oppressed by the ashveni just like this human being has been oppressed by the ashveni right and so if you can find the compassion inside of yourself to see this person and see that they are human with modifications <laughs> you might be able to say there's a skitter. They have been modified. They are not there in their original form and maybe take some of that anger and redirect it because I don't know. It's just like the more anger that you just allow yourself to have over something that you cannot control. It's just like, it's just an endless pit. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's where Tom is going. That's where Tom is going yeah. straight down into the skitter pit. That's right. The skitter pit. The skitter pit. Yeah. Yeah. Were you surprised that, Maggie lied so blatantly to Caitlin about being able to fix her brother? No, I, I I didn't take it as a blatant lie. I thought that there might be some... I thought she might have said it because they do have the Volm, and the Volm has some really cool tech, and so maybe the Volm could... You know, she thought that maybe the Volm could come up with something that would, you know, help him out. But, but either way, no. I mean, that what other choice did she have but to, to right. do a bluff? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I was a little surprised that she just kind of took over and because I, I, I would have kind of expected it from Ben, maybe not the outright lying, but at least talking in such a way that would convince Caitlin to bring to get on board with him. But it was it was interesting to see her take over like that. She has she's definitely taken on a different form since getting the spikes and and I kind of like this version of her. I mean, it's yeah, coming from a girl who was had been given a death sentence more than once due to cancer. It's so cool to see her kind of just take control of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, they eventually get back to camp and, um, not a whole lot happens here. We see how passing out, we get the reveal of the, the skitterized human to the rest of the second mass and a few other things mm-hmm. here. Uh, what were your thoughts on this part of the story? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't really know what they were. Oh, you know what we haven't talked about at all. And this, this is a good time to bring it up. So at the beginning of the episode, Tom has the vision of Rebecca. Yeah. And, and, um, and the foreshadowing of, uh, hunger that is about to come because at that time the, the food stock hadn't been blown up yet. And, uh, they didn't know about it, so he's still getting these visions or premonitions or whatever they are, and and we know it's not connected to the flybite because 
he was having them in the previous episode. Except, okay, so how how would you distinguish between the vision that Tom had at the very beginning of the premiere episode versus the vision he had in this episode of Rebecca? I can't distinguish the two because to me, they're coming from the same source. How they're able to pull it off, I don't know. That, and that's frankly not, not really important to me at this point. But I still feel like he, he is being fed information. Mm-hmm. What we saw last week when they were in the school, we, we saw, if you want to call them echoes or, or whatever, of the original vision that he had whenever he was wherever with whomever. <laughs> um, yeah. But this week when we see this vision with Rebecca and Hal, this is a completely new vision and he seems to be experiencing yep. it for the first time there. But to me, it's still the same thing. He's, his location doesn't seem to be, um, doesn't seem to matter. It's just they seem to be able to tap into his brain and, you know, make him see things, which is quite remarkable. Quite remarkable. I think what I meant more by distinguish, even okay. though these are really good points you're making, and I completely agree, like the the one at the beginning of the premiere, they were able to transport him into a uh, scene almost from his memory. Right. Whereas in this situation, it's like they're taking Rebecca as a hologram almost in and overlaying it into a, a present scene. That's right. And so I'm just I'm just wondering is do you think that there's any difference between the information he's given when between the two? Maybe maybe it's just, you know, they're I was trying to think maybe maybe he actually was on a ship for the first one and, and this time they're just like it's like a lingering effect. Mm-hmm. But I suppose it just it depends on what they need to tell him, and they can they can pretty much do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. I mean, or where, sure. what I'm thinking. I mean, maybe it's just whatever they think is going to make it most believable. And on, on if we're going to call it, he was on a ship. Then the most believable mm-hmm. thing was to make him think that he was completely somewhere else. Where here, uh-huh. the most believable thing is to make him think that Rebecca is where he is, or Hal is where he is. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the same thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. I think I kind of talked myself <laughs> into that answer because I was I was confused at first going, well, it's the same kind of premonition as we had in the in the premiere, but it's why is she overlaid? And it's it was so funny to watch him look from Rebecca to Anne and go, Anne, aren't you seeing this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I thought they did a great job with that. I just wish that they that he, Tom would actually talk to someone about these, you know, instead of just bottling it all up inside. <laughs> but in that same, in, so that that same uh, vision with Rebecca, he sees Hal stretching his arm out, and I don't know if there was anything significant about that until he sees Hal collapse at the end of the episode. But I don't know. I I, I don't really know. Would the only reason for him to see Hal like that is to see that the hunger is real? I mean, what what could he have done in that in that situation? I don't know because I mean it did cause him to treat Hal differently. Hey, make sure you get some rest. Make sure you do this. And Hal still ended up passing out at the oh, end. Oh, that's right. So I don't think it did mm. any good. I mean, no. it didn't change anything. Unless, unless these first two episodes with with him having the experience of these visions is designed to get him to actually trust the next one that happens and take a more serious approach to it. I like that. I like that thought. Uh, the danger, of course, being that they've lured him right. in, you know, and so and he's trying not to get telling him to do anybody something. about these. So it just he's 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. I like that thought a lot. I'm, yeah, I'm more inclined to believe that, and that would be that that would make uh, both of them worth it because I I love this concept that they're introducing, you know, potentially a third alien race mm-hmm. in this way, and and Tom will kind of like implicitly trust them when they actually reveal themselves because it will be like we have given you visions. Do you trust us? No. <laughs> how is that again? That's how they talk. That's that- how they talk. Just so you know. Okay, that's how we talk. <laughs> Do we wave our hands they're, like they're this They're kind too? of Chinese, but not really. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh-huh. I tell you, though, after Hal passes out, Maggie nurses him back to health, or she's there when he wakes up, uh, which I think is a sign that they'll end up together. Um, she gives him Pringles a Pringles can't can. solve everything. Yeah, yeah. hey. You know what? I didn't mind this product placement except for the fact that it made me want to go out and get some Pringles because it looks so good. <laughs> I love Pringles. Yeah. Let's just take a yeah, break. That was that was a cute scene go though. I Pringles. mean just just being able to for for Hal to be holding a can of Pringles <laughs> thinking I never thought I'd be able to hold these again. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But that's the Fun truth, drinks. right? I mean, you would start thinking about all the food that you're never going to get to eat again, and there they oh, are. Oh, I know. I would not do well in this kind of uh, post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd, you've, you seem like the kind of girl that likes to go fishing and clean fish and do all that stuff. Are you not? I don't eat seafood at all. It grosses me out. Or sushi. What about skitter? Nope. Well, Skittles. I will eat deer meat, though. Mm-hmm. Every time my dad shoots a deer, I'll eat that deer. Mm-hmm. I don't so. like venison. I could totally. Really? Yeah. Oh. My mom thinks it tastes too wild, but I have a recipe for that. I just, it's it's too, uh, it, maybe it was cooked wrong, but it was like. Probably cooked wrong. Five minutes later. Too chewy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Probably definitely cooked wrong. All right. Um. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Now we have to talk about yeah, the looking awkward at the date. Notes, we're there. The Pope Sarah <laughs> there. date. Was there anything good about this? I, I honestly, I tuned out most of it and muted it because I just couldn't <laughs> take it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to know what they say and I don't care. So I muted it and kind of looked away and pretended to take notes. Okay, Actually, well then I guess it's up to me since I listened to it twice. <laughs> no uh, way! Well, I watched uh, the episode twice. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. To answer my own question, no, there was nothing good about this. It was it was such a waste in every way. They, they just got all this food. Hey, great on you. You just got all this food. But that's not reason to go out and have this really fancy dinner... <laughs> With all this food, with this, this isn't the divvying up no of the, of the I mean, Swan where did the wine pantry. Come I know. The, where the, did the a food wine shelter is not going to have wine. <laughs> it was it was bizarre to me. It was a waste of time in the episode. It was a waste of of dialogue. It was a waste of resources. My note says Pukorama. Pukorama. Worst scene of the entire episode by far. Uh, let's let's say like worst scene of the entire series. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I. I mean, nothing else can rival how bad the scene was. I'm trying to think, and I'd rather see countless other things than this. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyway. that. Yeah. Oh. 
Okay, well, that pretty much sums up the episode. Yeah. But so the end of the episode, of course, just to touch back to this, is Mm -hmm. Tom and Anne looking out over what appears to be a pit of skitters. Yeah. I call it a hive just because it's flying things, and that's what you call a group of flying things at their home base, right? But yeah. But it wasn't. But it wasn't just the flying things. It was the hornets. It was the skitters. It was the bugs. It was everything down there, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. I can't confirm skitters. I saw the black hornets and I saw the bugs. Okay. Uh, I thought the things kind of on the ground were more of the the black hornets, but it might have been skitters. But yeah, it's a, it's just a. I just uh, assume that's where all the skitters had been coming from. Well, so I think maybe that's I a, just actually I think that's a pretty safe assumption. It's it's okay. It's it's bad. It's a bad deal. I mean, it's not like yeah. you can go get a giant can of, you know, if Phineas and Ferb were here, they would say, I know what we're going to do today. And they would go, and they would, you don't know who Phineas and Ferb are? No. Oh, man, you're missing out. And they would go, they would actually go over to Dr. Doofenshmirtz because he would have already been making a giant can of bug spray. This is an animated movie, or TV is it show. an animated movie? Yeah, it's animated. Okay. Oh, TV show? Okay. It, it, it's, it's great. You should watch it. And then they would take the, the big giant can of bug spray that Dr. Doofenshmirtz had planned to use to wipe out the world, and they would spray it on the pit of despair filled with... So we just need a Dr. Doofenshmirtz on Falling Skies now. Something like that. Okay. But I don't know what our gang is going to do, because they don't have have a platypus, they don't have a Phineas or a Ferb or a Dr. Doofenshmirtz. I don't even know what to say to this. (laughs) You've left me speechless. I hope you're happy. Nobody in the chat room is responding to this either, so I don't know if, if I'm the only one here that enjoys Phineas and Ferb. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I do not have a um, a synopsis for the next episode, but I do know that it is called Hatchlings. Oh, that doesn't sound good at all. Not at all. Uh, if you recall from... The previous season and the information we got from the Volm, hatchlings are Eshveni babies or infants in cocoons. Mm-hmm. And according to at least Shaq, that this is when they're the most dangerous. So when they're a hatchling, that is to say. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Dun, dun, dun. Indeed. Well. I tell you what, we do have, we may not have a synopsis for next week, but we do have listener feedback for this week. Yes, we do. And let's get it kicked off with audio this week. All right. And our good friend, Barb. Here she is. Hey, Emily and Daryl. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's Falling Skies epi, Hunger Pains. I'll give this epi eight recipes for skitter meat. Finger licking good. A couple of observations. I wonder if there will be ramifications to Ben and Maggie for bringing Skitter Brian to the camp. Tom's call to the primeval nature of man may result in the death of the Skitter and some of the human warriors thirsting for anything with alien blood. A confrontation between Anthony and spiked Ben may be in the making, and what will Tom do then? His bloodlust may indeed put the second mass in danger from itself. The little blue bug is a very smart creature. It played dead for a few days before seizing its opportunity to flee. Interesting that when Tom came into contact with it, he saw his dead wife, Rebecca, again. But this little creature was part skitter, part Asphini, and part human. So how could it be part of the door number three alien, distinct from the Asphini and the Volm? 
I believe Daryl speculated last week that the original Skitters were the enemy of my enemy. If they were tougher than the Asfini, it wouldn't explain how they have been enslaved by the Asfini. But here's a crackpot theory. What if the Skitters had long ago captured Earthlings and incorporated human DNA into their makeup so that the Skitters could survive long term? The Asfini were facing extinction for whatever reason and decided that the Skitters must have been onto something so they plan to take over Earth and incorporate human DNA into their own strain. That would explain the Lexi experiment and their need to invade Earth. But I'm still puzzled about the bug. If it is an Espini creation, an evolution of sorts, then why would it trigger Tom to think about Rebecca, unless it was a coincidence? Perhaps, as there are human traits left in the humanized skitters, the mutant bug had skitter traits remaining in it and was still mentally working to help Tom even as it evolved into the latest Asfini experiment. That or Tom is being manipulated toward potential defeat. This show may end with all the forces becoming one giant DNA breed, although I think that that would not be satisfying. I enjoyed watching Pope woo Sarah. We may get those baby popes yet. And Daryl, do the writers know that pineapple is your favorite fruit? Consider it a shout-out. Thanks for all your work on the podcast, guys. This is Barb signing out and making sure that what I'm tossing on the grill tonight is really chicken. <laughs> uh, I'll take the pineapple as a shout out to me. Um, why not? I, I do love me some pineapple. It's hard not to like pineapple. I know, right? Mm. With when it get, When it gets to 99 cents here, which is... Pretty regularly, it's hard for me not to just go, yeah, go ahead and back that pallet up to my car. <laughs> Dump it on in. Yeah, let's put it all in there. Uh, she enjoyed <laughs> Pope and Sarah? Yeah, I, I I yelled at her in the chat room. I said, what? You enjoyed that? And she said, I knew that would get you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping she was being facetious. but I, I don't know. But if not, if she's being real, at least somebody enjoyed it. Clearly, you and I did not. And it's not. It's good to hear that somebody out there enjoyed yeah. it. I have no doubt that somebody will. So you know, if it's Barb, at least we like Barb, so we can, <laughs> you know, we can't falter for other things. <laughs> do we like? Do we like her? I can't remember how we started. I, Barb. I mean, I like her. Oh. I don't know about you. I'll have to look at my I mean, list. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She touched on a lot of yeah, stuff, yeah. and uh, I'm trying to remember. The one that had come to mind before I was distracted by her love of the Pope Saracens. <laughs> um, she said, oh, the ramifications for bringing the skitterized human back. Uh, definitely think that there will be ramifications, but I think we did talk about that a little bit. I, I do hope that uh, what Daryl's theory was comes to fruition, something along the lines of um, Weaver stepping in and, and having the compassion in order to satiate that moment. Mm-hmm from death. But you know the thing that I hadn't thought of was the proximity uh, of the the timing between Tom getting bit by the bug and then having the vision of Rebecca and I guess I had immediately thought that the bug was Ishveni made and and since we've already kind of been along the path of thinking that this is a third alien race that is giving Tom these visions I wasn't associating them at all. So I I, I never even thought that they were related but i hey, didn't at this either. point everything is up in the yeah i'm glad she mentioned that because it was something that completely didn't occur to me as even a possibility so now it's something to kind of keep an eye on right 
All right. Well, let's read some. What do you say? That's a great idea. All right. We've got Gannon writing in again. He says... Overall, I really enjoyed Hunger Pains, although I'll start with the negative. The new hybrid was a real letdown for me. The concept of it is great, but the fact that it's only a bug, and as far as we know, it can't really do any harm besides making you bleed a lot. I want to see this thing as a six to eight foot killing machine, and I hope we get that. Continuing to see Rebecca in these visions as opposed to truly seeing this new alien is getting old fast. Like I said last week, this is the time to start answering questions instead of waiting up to the last minute and answering them. Also, we really need to be introduced to a big bad, too. That was one of the highlights for me last season, was actually seeing the Ashveni as characters. I'm ready for that again. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I hated the episode, but I really liked it, especially on repeat. It was action-packed and fun. I thought Dingon and Matt worked really well together, and they stood out for me this episode. Uh, that drone thing was awesome. Seeing Tom continuing to go down the dark side along with Anthony is getting me very worried, which is why I don't trust these new aliens pope sarah ben and maggie's story was very fun and it was cool to see another skitterized human excited to see how this story line folds out i give this episode seven out of ten fields of skitters <laughs> next week uh, next week's episode hatchlings is one of my most anticipated eps and i think it's going to do a lot of things that i currently want to happen well definitely refreshing to hear someone who enjoyed all of these things because mm-hmm. i mean it's it's i mean it's totally subjective in the way that right. we rag on them right. you know it's it's just maybe a mood you were in or what but we've also just been kind of ragging on sarah this whole time so definitely definitely glad that somebody enjoyed it so <laughs> um but do you think it's getting old yet to see rebecca in in lieu of the new alien race uh i don't mind seeing rebecca i really don't but I would much rather see the new alien race and get that moving. I think he's exactly right. We do need the big bad for this mm-hmm. season. That has not been revealed yet. We've seen some hints with the bug, with the onslaught of skitters. But I think we all agree that those are under the control of something larger than that. Now, I think mm-hmm. it's safe to assume it's the Ishfini, but the overlords but we need to we need to see that we need to mm-hmm. we, we do need to have that revealed particularly when we're talking about a, a season that at the end of next week which is not fair to make that determination yet so i guess right now we are 20 percent over with the season i was going to say we're a third with over with we're, it's not fair to make that 20 judgment yeah right now okay. we're 20 percent done and uh it needs to be revealed soon yeah yeah i have a feeling that it will be revealed next season. And I don't know if it'll be a big bad in the next way that week? we were. What did I say? Next season. <laughs> You've got Daryl disease. I'm the one that does that <laughs> where I say something and don't oh, realize man. it. It's, it's vacation brain. Apparently, I'll give you that. Otherwise Thank known you. as Daryl brain. It's I'm on vacation all the time. <laughs> You're perpetually on That's vacation. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. So next week, I think it feels like this bug is kind of the, uh, the, port into what the big bad is supposed to be like it's it's going to just kind of open up whatever it is Mm -hmm. and it's it's a it's a small component of a much bigger thing because if if this is what they have come to with a hybrid i have no doubt that they have other things up their sleeve maybe something what did he ask for something six to eight feet long (laughs) a six to eight foot killing machine that's what i was anticipating too yeah, I have no doubt that they could produce something like that if they can produce something, you know, half an inch long. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Thank you, Gannon. This one comes in from Justina, and she said, here are my thoughts on this week's episode. Tom seems to be having some premonitions. The vision of the bust of Woodrow Wilson led him to the Overlord, and this week his vision told him that food needed to be his focus, and he foresaw what would happen to Hal. Who or what is putting these thoughts in his head? Right now, the visions seem to help. I hope that it does not turn to harm later. Tom's bite will not heal. That remaining open feels like a metaphor to me that Tom is open and susceptible to the enemy. Hmm. Something is putting thoughts directly into his head. His anger and the rage he inspired on the second mass is dangerous, too, because it's clouding judgment and causing distraction. Weaver was right to take control. I felt horrible when they were beating the skitter. I know they are the enemy, but they are just servants of the overlords. They don't think for themselves when not being controlled. They turn on each other. Now that I am reminded again that some of them were human before, that had a terrible fate visited upon them. I see them as less evil, more like soldiers that have no free will. I give this episode 9 out of 10 Pringles cans. I'll take 9 out of 10 Pringles. Mm-hmm. I'll take 10 of 10 because I'm greedy. <sighs> You're such... Uh yeah, good stuff, mm-hmm. Justina. Uh, I really like this idea that Tom's bite won't heal. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting if they can actually inflict open wounds onto humans in that way. We'll have to see and watch that. Yeah, I definitely like it as a as a kind of a, a metaphor of of, of what's going on. Uh, that was mm-hmm. really good. And you know, she's right uh, with with uh, Tom. Um, I think you said it earlier where. Uh, he may be seeing these visions and they lead him into a false sense of trust or security with whomever is causing him to see these things. And I think that's a really good observation and good thought, one that I hadn't had, and, and I'm glad you guys brought it up. Yay, us, Justina. Woo. Girl power. Girl power. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to hear from you for next week's episode, so you can do that by calling 304 304- Eight three seven two two seven eight, or go over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can typey typey out an email contribution, upload an audio file, or use the SpeakPipe widget to record your feedback for next week's episode, which once again is called what? Hatchlings. Mm. Mm. Hatchlings. All right. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash golden spiral media and Twitter at GSM podcasts. And Twitter is important because that is how you participate in our BC twit question of the week, which this week was. Will the skitterized human be an asset or an ally? And interesting enough, we, we, you know, we um, post this question before having this conversation. So, It'll be interesting to see, you know, like based on what we're talking about with Weaver here, if if that will ultimately decide on whether he's an asset or an ally. But right. we got a few responses this week. Of course, we got one from Tangier14, a.k.a. Barb. Uh, she says it had better be an ally because they'll never be able to squash all those little suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Completely concur. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see. We got one from Justina also. She says, I think the skitterized humans could be an asset to study their biology for a cure, but it may be too wild to be an ally. Hey, I like that. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. And then Zort70, a.k.a. Ian, says if they can communicate with him, definitely an ally, but no one can be trusted 100% if overlords get control of them. That's right. Isn't that's the that risk, the right? Truth? I mean, that's the same risk that we have, though, with, with Maggie and Ben. Yep. They could be taken control of at any moment. You know, that's a good point. I think somebody had mentioned this in the in the chat room while I was trolling, and somebody said, why did their spikes glow? Mm-hmm. Do you have a theory on that? Well, I th- they glow under different circumstances. They glow if an overlord is nearby or has control of them. Yeah, and somebody in the chat room reminded us that, that they glow like when Ben and Maggie were kissing, they glowed. Oh, that's right. So maybe the skitterized human is skitter enough to activate them? Well, that was my thought, was that the, the, the skitter being activated or, or you know, the, the emotion yeah. of the skitter was enough to activate them. But somebody else in the chat room said that maybe it was Maggie's emotion because she was in distress. Uh, oh. Maybe that was enough. And I think that's probably the more likely reason. That is it. I bet that is totally it. That that makes sense yeah. completely. Yeah. Okay, I'm cool with that. Yeah. The chairman awesome. also mentioned it was Jovial Falcon. Um, we were speculating at the beginning of the episode on who blew up the food storage or the, f- the food stash, and I thought it was Anthony when I first watched the episode. But then when I rewatched, I paid attention to Anthony, and he had a machine gun. We saw him with a machine gun earlier. He had a machine gun on his back. but And, and so Jovial Falcon was like, no, 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 it was Anthony. And he, he posted a screen cap, and it was definitely Anthony. He, he, in, in this, I don't know if, the, I don't know if it, was a, it was a goof where he suddenly had a rocket launcher and then didn't, or if I completely missed it, which is probably the huh. case. But it was Anthony that blew up the food storage. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And did, did it look like it was on accident, or couldn't you really oh, tell? Oh, no. He was like, got it aimed right to it with a fierce look on his face. It was... So, he was the just rage shooting. is blinding him, That's right? That's right. That's exactly what happened. He was going after the skitters and not thinking about what else he was doing in the process. Oh, Anthony, Anthony. <sighs> hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, sorry to... Uh, Leave on that note, but anyway. Yeah, well. It was a great conversation, yeah. I, uh, I always I, enjoy talking with the Falling Skies with you. It's a lot of fun. Yes, me too. It makes episodes like this worth it. Even if my opinion really hasn't changed of the episode, I I definitely have more hope for the next the next one. Uh-huh. You know, like where the season is leading. So yeah, me too. That yeah. makes it worth it. And I didn't hate the episode. It was just a few scenes and, and yeah. I won't rehash <laughs> everything. So. Yeah. Well, next week, Hatchlings, as we said, you can join us for our live show. That's going to be Tuesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. We'd love to have you join us, join the conversation in the chat room, watch us on video as we do the show. And like I said, 8 o'clock Eastern on Tuesdays at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. If you want to send in that feedback, once again, 304-837-2278 or goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And the deadline for that is also Tuesday, but it's at 6 o'clock Eastern time, so we can get it prepped and put into the show on time. All right, Emily, I think that's it. I think so. I have nothing else. I've been bled dry. Well, enjoy the rest of your vacation. Thank you. I will. Have a safe trip back to your uh, home when the uh, time comes. I can't even f- see that far into the future. I love it's it. It's just, it's so far. 
<laughs> I love hearing that. All right. Yeah. Thank you for tuning right. in this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. I hope that you'll join us. And until then, you know what? I'm going to go find some pineapple and Pringles. Hmm. Yummy. And I'm going to go have some awkward conversations about con- uh, things that really don't need to be discussed. That's a normal every day for you, isn't it? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. 